From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight, Easter Sunday, we dig into our baskets and find a jelly bean kind of week for the guards. Good, but not as good as you hope. And the Cavs finish a giant chocolate bunny of a season. On the road, we talk weather at the Masters, the NBA season closing out, and this week's play-in tournament. Off the field, Chuck and Phil pick sides in the legal battle threatening to tear apart one of America's most treasured glam rock hairbands. I am joined tonight by two of the best ever. My co-hosts, Phil Danko and Chuck Rambaldo, are here. Fellas, who made it to your house first today? The Easter Bunny or Jesus? <laughs> How do I answer that? Um, Jesus never left. <laughs> All right. That's, <laughs> that's pretty good. That's a really <laughs> safe <laughs> answer. Well yeah, right. done, my friend. Right. There you go. We did uh, Jesus yesterday at 4.30, so today would have been the Easter Bunny. Excellent. Got Jesus out of the way. Way to go. <laughs> All right. Why don't we get rolling for the first time in a couple of weeks? We are back to our normal schedule. We're going to start at home. Start with our Guardians week cap. Our look back at the last week of Cleveland Guardians baseball. Another week of baseball. Another week of late game heroics. Guards took two of three from the Oakland A's. Guards then came home against the Mariners for a home opener loss on Friday, a missed opportunity loss on Saturday, and an Easter Sunday saving come from behind extra inning win this afternoon. Guards finished their second week at six and four and in second place in the AL Central. So, fellas, what is your week cap? It seems like there's a lot of extra inning games early in the season. Feels it, it, it's it's starting to feel a lot like last season, but maybe more recently, at least the last couple games, it seems like they're they're stranding a, a lot more runners than I'd like to see. Not not that kind of timely hitting. And but but overall, again, you're, you're playing like we talked. Seattle is a very good baseball team. Uh, so for them to go this week and take care of business in Oakland like they should have, and then uh, beat up them in Seattle and they beat us up a little bit here, but never out of a game. It doesn't feel like they were ever out of a game this week, uh, especially the losses. So that's what I take away this week. It feels more of the same, man. It still feels good. A lot like last season. We have six wins on the season and four of them have come in extra innings. Uh, we're four and oh in extra innings. And I, I, what I take away from this week is this might not be good for our hearts as the season goes on, but <laughs> yeah, I think this team, like we, you think about it even from last year and the way this team is built right now, and I'll, I'll get to a more specific reason in a minute, but the extra innings, the way it's set up now really favors the Guardians. You put someone on second and you've got yeah. guys that can hit a baseball up and down that lineup. They might not hit it far or hard, but they can, they can get a base hit and that's what you need in extra innings, right? So, and string some base hits together. So I took that away, and I really like what I'm seeing out of our bookends, man. A mile straw on the nine hole and and Quan at the leadoff. I think right now you could flip those two guys if you wanted, but why? Leave them right where they're at, and they are doing exactly what we want those guys to do. And it's like you have back-to-back leadoff hitters as you get into the game. I guess my overall take on the week is it wasn't as bad as it looked in those losses to the Mariners. I didn't get to watch the game on Friday. I listened to Hammy's call, and he was all over the umpires in a couple of the innings where they where Savali gave up runs. 
just saying that it looked like he was getting squeezed and you know how it is, man, you, you get a couple called strikes in situations and all of a sudden those are outs instead of guys hanging around and, and getting on base and scoring runs. It was unfortunate to lose a game like that on Friday on Saturday. They, they really hit the ball. Well, they just like Chuck said, they just didn't have the timely hits and that's not going to happen that much this year. I don't think so. All in all, it, it wasn't quite the week we wanted but it still wasn't bad, and I even think those losses were close enough that they could have gone the other way, and all of a sudden we could be talking about uh, kind of a dominant start to the season. So I feel really good about the Guardians. I think you guys are right. The The late-inning stuff feels natural now. The lineup seems like it's cooking along nicely. We're going to get to that in a little bit. So, uh, so far, so good for the Guardians, but it's not all good. Why don't we give away our MQG? our most questionable guard of the week. <laughs> First one, Josh Bell, 0 for 6 today, but he did hit the ball about 60 feet to drive in the winning run in the 12th. He hit .087 this week, but his average for the season is .086, so I guess he's getting better. <laughs> Cal Quantrill had uh, five innings, gave up seven hits, gave up three earned runs in a, in a loss to the Mariners. Oscar Gonzalez this week, 0.176 batting average, only three hits with four strikeouts. And I can't believe this one. Emmanuel Classe pitched three innings this week, walked four guys, blew a save in Oakland, gave up a run in the ninth today. His ERA on the season is uh, hovering over five right now. So who's your MQG for the week? MQG, I'm going to give it to Josh Bell. I think well, I mean, long season, right? So we're going to see Class A round into what he is, and I think with Gonzalez, hopefully we see him get back to where he was last year. But maybe we saw what the guy in the in waiting is ready to do in Will Brennan. So we've got some depth there, maybe. But Josh Bell is the dude that we need in the middle of this lineup, and not only is he not hitting his weight, he's not even hitting his weight in kilograms. It's it's ridiculous. Like he is. You just tell Denko is overseas. Yeah, right. I, had, I, metric I converted, system I converted that Oh, really you're so quickly. smart, Phil. No, no, no. No, it's not smart. It's not With smart. your logical form of measurements. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's right. That's right. My point being, the dude, like he's, He's not, he can't even break the 100 plateau. And we need him in the middle of this lineup to not hit 60 foot singles, like drive the ball, make contact. Even sack flies would be good out of that place in the lineup. Right. And he just isn't getting it yet. Hopefully he rounds into form though. So he's been the most questionable because, you know, as you mentioned, Gers, what we lost a game three to two, we lost a game, another game by one run. You get some production out of the middle of the lineup. Maybe those losses are wins. It's really early. Plasse has a proven track record of being dominant. So, okay. I'm, I can almost give them equally to, to bell and um, SpongeBob just because like what I'm seeing with the, the bats, I'm seeing they're swinging at really bad pitches. Uh, number one, and it's it, I understand it's early in the season, and typically guys who hit for power don't typically do that early in the season. But I just don't like the pitch selection. Bell probably squeaks it out a little more because that contract. It it, it and again, we're two weeks into a season, so I can't crap all over the dude. But you bring a guy in, you pay that guy money, you expect some sort of result, and what you don't want is the same guy that they cut last year is just a big dude who's a windmill. I I, I don't think that's what's going to happen, but. This early in the season with the contract and how excited I was for this man, he is my most questionable guardian. I'm going to give mine to Gonzalez 
I just feel like Bell has more of a track record, more history in the league, and we kind of know a little bit more about what he's about. And I read some stuff like throughout the last week where the fan bases and the places that he has played have said things that this is kind of like what you expect from him. Like he's a streaky guy. Like he's going to hit 100 for three weeks and then next three weeks he's going to hit bombs and hit for average and stuff like that. So maybe we're just, maybe this is just a streaky player. We got to get used to that. I worry about Gonzalez just because he really only had part of a single good season. And the knock on him is that he swings too much and strikes out too much. And we didn't see it last year. But, man, if that's back, uh, we may not see the same type of production from that guy that we did last year. I think you're right. I think Will Benson is already hitting the ball well enough to deserve time in that outfield. Uh, And if Gonzalez doesn't hit, man, I don't think it's going to be long before Benson's getting even more. Oscar Gonzalez gets my MQG. But – It was a good week, so now that we've given out our MQG, how about our MVG, the most valuable guard of the week? Here's my list. If you want to throw somebody else in, feel free. Start with Miles Straw. Game-saving catch to take a home run away in Oakland. Hit 421 this week with eight hits, four RBIs, and five walks. The only pitcher to make the list, Hunter Gaddis. Six innings, one hit, shutout in a win over Oakland. Next guy, Andres Jimenez, hit 385, four RBIs, 10 hits. He had five doubles this week, which seems like an enormous number to me. I don't know that number just <laughs> jumps out at me. That's six games, five doubles in yeah, six games. Yeah, five doubles yeah. in six games. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. um, he's already beating out the value of his contract. Uh, J-Ram <laughs> hit 348, eight hits, five RBIs. So who's your MVG for the week? I know where Phil's going to go, so I'll just go the other way. <laughs> I, I think it's Menez, like even today, like that stolen base probably wins them that game in extras today. Yeah. Not that the fact that he's he started off extremely hot with a bat too, and, and his fielding has been right on and Rosario's has not. Like this is two weeks of Rosario kicking the ball around. Um, but like you're saying, the guy got his big contract and mostly those guys just kind of, you know, they suck because they got paid. Uh, a week later, uh, this guy is worth every penny and a whole lot more. He excites me so much. I like when guys start hot, and I'm not taking anything away from J-Ram. I think we take him for granted every year because he's so consistent. Uh, but this week alone, I'll go with Jimenez. I like Jimenez's week. I wondered all week how long until we see him in the two or three hole. You know, I mean, if that is that where this guy's going in, in the lineup? And it's so early. Like, let's we'll revisit that maybe June first. I don't know, but uh, um, I'm gonna actually give mine, and I don't know if this is a surprise or not, but I'm gonna give it to my Jared Allen man crush and Hunter Gaddis. Because... I thought you would straw. All of... <laughs> I knew you. I knew. Yeah, outfield bias for yeah, sure. Right? Yeah, I. You know, I I love Miles Straw week. I I love what he's done out there. I feel like Miles Straw owes us something after last year. So keep it rolling, <laughs> buddy. Keep it rolling. I'm, I'm not gonna celebrate you just yet. So Hunter Gaddis, and here's why. Uh, one, he's my Jared Allen man crush on the team from uh, several weeks ago. Two, unfortunately, we need this guy to feel confident in the starting lineup as a starting pitcher right now because of McKenzie being out for a couple months. So to get a start like that where he gave you six innings of one-hit baseball, if we can just get good starts out of that guy for the next six weeks, you know whether he wins or loses the game, but you, you give up no runs, that, that was huge, I think, because he was – kind of shaky in his first start uh earlier oh, yeah. out in out in seattle so i thought that was great i'm gonna give it to gaddis i'll exercise my outfield bias i'm going with miles straw 
Uh, the catch he made in Oakland was huge. I don't think they win that getaway game without that catch. And my gosh, if this dude can hit high 200s, low 300s all season long and still get the walks and still do all the damage he can do on the bases, man, that really helps the lineup and it's going to make this team fun to watch. So Miles Straw gets my MVG for the week. Looking ahead to next week, everyone's favorite assholes, the Yankees, come to town for three. Uh, starting the week, and then the guards head to our nation's capital for three against the Nationals. 500 week for the guards or no? Yeah, I, I wish I could say it'd be more than 500, but I don't think it will be. I, I feel a one and two series and a two and one series out of the week. I guess it all depends if they're stranding double-digit runners like they have in the last two games, but I'll be optimistic here. Yeah, I think they get a 500 week out of it. Fingers crossed. I, I think it'll be a 500 week. I think they take one against New York and then hopefully get two against the nationals we will see but that'll close out our guardians week cap for this week why don't we move on to our final regular season sip of wine and gold our weekly Cavs recap Cavs spent most of the week visiting the magic kingdom in orlando and dunking on mickey goofy <laughs> and that no pants wearing <laughs> donald duck <laughs> Cavs sweep the magic in two games lock up home court for a first round playoff series get over 50 wins, and close out the season with a blowout loss against the Hornets today. Cavs finished the regular season at 51-31, and 31, fourth in the East. All right, for the final time, after 24 weeks without a repeat, let's celebrate the end of the regular season. Scale of 1-5, to five, one being Freaksnet Champagne, the very worst bubbly moonshine, Sounds French, but actually manufactured in a chemical plant in Spain. <laughs> Five being Cedar Lee Chardonnay from CLE Urban Winery on Lee Road. How would you rate the Cavs this week? And last week, I went all the way down. Um, I don't know if I'm going to go all the way up this week because I just have to look at it as a week and not as a season. I'm going to put it at, at a four. You, you just you beat the tar out of the magic. That helps you, Gerbs, in, the, you know, in, in our chase for our side pieces. Uh, and then today's... I guess what I look at is like, you got a lot of guys, some minutes who weren't getting a whole lot of minutes in a way, Danny green can still play basketball. That's good news. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to sit them at a four uh, because like your superstars didn't well on Monday, Donovan Mitchell refused to score less than 40 points. It seems like for the rest of the season. Uh, but overall, like Mobley's older brother, right? He's older, isn't he? I think so. Isn't yeah. Mobley's brother. Yeah. yeah. Like he got some good minutes and played really well. Like you're looking at guys who might be rotation pieces for next season. So overall it's a four. Well, I had no idea that Donald Duck and Jamie Tart had something in common. So that's uh, that's fun for me to think about uh, while I answer this question. I guess we'll get to it. But uh, um, <laughs> we actually weren't going to get to that. But all right, yeah, all right, yeah. I just thought of that as you mentioned that. Uh, spoiler alert. Uh, anyway, um, for the Cavs week, it's one of those weeks that, that the starters only played that first game, and as Chuck said, Mitchell dominated it as he did the last four games that he he went out there and played. Um, I, I don't know if I'm going to give it a, as high as Chuck, maybe a three. It's good that, that we got guys rest. What I didn't understand is the today's game or the last game of the week, Mobley and Allen played again. Like they each got 12 minutes. Like that, that was weird. You're, you're resting all your starters and you put your two bigs out there who are kind of dealing with some stuff. And I don't know what that was about now in 12 minutes, they both out rebounded the entire other team. So it was good to see, uh, just kind of a weird decision. So I, I'm going to give it a three. It was one of those weeks that. Just get me to the playoffs. Get me to the playoffs with no no setbacks, no injuries, 
I don't know if we saw anything off the bench that we're going to need in the playoffs. Maybe, you know, Levert continued to score. Uh, Osmond continued to score. So maybe that's good for those guys because we might need them to put some points up in various playoff games. I'm going to go to a five. Hey. I'm, I'm going to deviate from what Chuck was saying because I am going to kind of look at it as a week that was based on the entire season. You want enough games to lock up your spot and give your starters a chance to rest for the for the latter half of the week. And so you played a bunch of games with guys who don't normally play that, you know, games that didn't matter anymore. You got over 50 wins. Uh, all in all, I think it was a nice cap to an absolutely great season for that team. I'm giving it a five. I think Mobley and Allen played because the other guys are a little bit more banged up and they wanted to rest them, but they just wanted to keep Allen and Mobley like in the flow and not let them get too much distance from game yeah. to playoffs. You know what I mean? So I think that was kind of the explanation they gave on the pregame show for the game to about why those guys were going to play. And then they only played like a little bit in the first half and that was it anyway. So it worked know, out great, knows. but could you imagine if yeah. one of those guys got hurt? Like, oh, of course. God. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Let's move on. Raise your glass toast to your favorite calf of the week. Our Cleveland charge edition. <laughs> first one, <laughs> Isaiah Mobley, 18 points, four rebounds against the magic two points today, but he averaged 21 a game for the charge this year. Next one, Sam Merrill, six points against the Magic, 17 points today, averaged 18 for the charge this year. Next one, Mamadi Diakite, 13 points, eight rebounds against the Magic, nine points, three assists today, averages wow. 16, seven, and two for the charge. Last one, Danny Green, exploded for 21 against the Magic, 13 points today, no points this season for the charge. I'm going Danny Green. Like I said, remember we we signed him or traded for him or whatever, and he probably has totaled the total of like 26 minutes since then. Um, but it, but it's a guy who was five nine for three on Thursday night and put up 13. Like maybe a guy who might contribute that you're not expecting off that bench uh, if he makes the playoff rotation. So uh, if this is the last time we talk about Danny Green, it was a great week for him. I'm glad he was here uh, back here for his second run with uh, the Cavs. But good week, good on him. Is Danny Green the only one on that list that made the playoff roster? I have to imagine that's the case, right? Like, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I don't think it's been yeah, announced yet. We're yeah, going to yeah, do a yeah. preview I, you know, episode yeah. I, I this week it, before it, it the thing starts. Really, we just stick to the regular season. Didn't, you didn't have to answer that question. It was just me thinking out loud. My, my point being, I think you saw some good stuff from the charge guys that were on the team that maybe we find a diamond in the rough for next season, but not for this playoff run. And I'm going to agree with Chuck. Like Danny Green gets my my toast because this is a guy that maybe in a playoff game off the bench cans five threes and is all the difference in like a third quarter. You, you know, that that could be huge. So I'll give it to Danny Green. Uh, he's the oldest guy on the team and he can still shoot the ball. I'm going with Sam Merrill because he <laughs> is an NBA champion. He was on the Bucks championship team a couple of years ago. So I hope he makes a playoff roster because we need that type of experience. Moving on. Uh, next week, <laughs> Cavs are resting until next weekend when the playoffs start. They play Saturday night. We will be doing a special playoff preview episode later in the week, probably going to come out on Friday. So we're not going to get too much in the playoffs. But how do you think the Cavs should spend their week off before the playoffs? Getting good sleep, exercising lightly, practicing some game plan. Don't leave the compound. 
<laughs> I don't know. Yeah, like we gotta we got till next Saturday to play. Yeah. Like just yeah. Stay focused, boys. Stay focused. I would hit a few strip clubs early <laughs> oh, shit. this week because you know you don't have much going on. Maybe two to a few lines. I don't know what they do out there. You know, get your partying in and then refocus by midweek and uh, eyes on the prize, that. boys. <laughs> boys. Chuck really went a different direction than I was expecting. <laughs> I'd really like to see uh, like a Ted Lasso type field trip. Like maybe go check out the sewer in Cleveland or like the, the observation <laughs> yeah. deck at like, at like the terminal tower or something. Talk about like the history of Cleveland and like what this means or something like that. Like I want to see JB channel some Ted Lasso and get everybody in a good state of mind going into the playoffs. We'll see if that's what we get, but we will be back. Like I said, um, before next weekend to talk Cavs and preview, what is a really exciting thing, man, getting to host a first round playoff series in the NBA playoffs is pretty fun, but fellas with that, we are going to take our first break. We are going to come back, talk some golf and some more basketball. Welcome back, fellas, to our second segment. We're going to head out on the road and start in Augusta, Georgia, with the Masters 2023. For two days, it was the worst. Mother Nature dominated the tournament as the weather turned Augusta wetter than a Georgia pine in a monsoon, which is exactly what was happening throughout the week. One of the big storylines, as it will be for the foreseeable future in golf, is PGA versus Live. So what was the most passive-aggressive PGA versus Live Tour moment of the weekend? First one, none of the Live players were in featured groups on Thursday's pairings. And so you didn't get to see like any Live players play on TV like at all on Thursday, no matter how well they were doing. Uh, next one, during the second round, Siwoo Kim, who's a PGA player, played with Phil Mickelson and Kim wore a shirt that just said PGA Tour all over it. Last one, in the end, three live guys finished in the top five this weekend at the Masters. So which of those is the most passive-aggressive event of the weekend? I'm trying to decide if which of those are aggressive-aggressive. I think Siwoo uh, <laughs> like Kim might be aggressive-aggressive. Like, I'm just going to wear this shirt the entire time I play with Phil. Maybe the first one. Because you've got some big names that would get some eyeballs on the first two rounds of a golf tournament, yeah. right? And you're just Justin not Johnson, gonna, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, big yeah. names, and you're just not going to put them on TV. So that's kind of shitty. I'm going to go with your first one. Same. It's it's definitely number one. Like this tournament should transcend all tournaments because it's the one tournament where people who don't normally watch golf might watch a little bit of it, and uh, the fact that you're not featuring every person who's competing in it is kind of bunk man so it's it's definitely one i'm with you guys even though i really do love the siwoo kim shirt like it was a terrible looking shirt <laughs> but it was getting a lot of attention <laughs> because like he's walking down the fairway next to mickelson wearing the shirt that's pretty fantastic but whoever made those pairings on the first day which i think is actually masters people i don't think it's the pga who does it but whoever did that and had you know, like Dustin Johnson teeing off at like 7.30 in the morning with Sandy Lyle. Like, nobody wants to watch that pairing, you know? <laughs> that was just shitty. That, that's a, a very passive-aggressive thing for them to do. Moving on, can never talk Masters without talking Tiger. Tiger Woods made the cut, even though his body doesn't work anymore. 
He looked absolutely miserable on Saturday playing in the rain. He was like a full like winter wet weather gear on Saturday. Uh, withdrew in last place uh, with a foot injury. He was plus nine at the time. So scale of one to five. We'll see how this one works. I'm not sure this is going to make a whole bunch of sense. But one being Elvis was at a Kalamazoo Burger King in 1988. Five being that the <laughs> earth is round. How convinced are you that this is a tiger we will see from now on? Four. The earth is round. I think most people believe that, right? Still that the earth is round. <laughs> We're not under a firmament, right? Or whatever that word is. I, I got to see him play. But after seeing you say like, man, he's hobbling around. And I waited for that shot of him walking uphill. It's like, God, man, he looks like one of my older uncles when I was a little kid. He's just like beat down by life. But again, Phil can attest to the injuries that he's had. Um, and still, I sought out to see him play. Like, I wanted to see him play. And I thought in that rain gear, like, man, he's still got real cool f-ing gear, man. Like, he can pull <laughs> yeah. off a baseball hat with a winter hat on it. Dude looks cool. The gear. His game's not great. Uh, but every once in a while, I saw to him a good shot. So it was nice. But yeah, it, it's a four. I, I think this is maybe a holdout hope that you're going to see a, a a flash of what he was at some point in a major that he's competing uh, and not coming up with an injury to kind of just say, oh, f- all this. Like, like, I don't want to be out here anymore. It's too wet. It's too cold. Get me out of yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly remember feeling that way when watching my kids play games where the weather just got terrible. It was wet and it was cold and you're just sitting there like watching like, I would really love it if this game would just end so we can go home. <laughs> I felt like that was what was on Tiger's face while he was playing. So how sure am I this is the Tiger we're going to see going forward? I'm, I'll give it a three. I, I think what we'll see is... um and what Tiger probably should do is just play warm weather events. I, I get it. The Masters is a is a roll of the dice, right? Like there is cold, wet Masters. There's hot, sunny Masters, those kind of things. He's a little bit older than us, and he is his body is just destroyed uh, from his spine to his knees to his lower leg. So wet and cold does not mix well with all the repairs that he's had and the degenerative kind of injuries that he's had to, to deal with. So I don't think this is exactly what we'll see every time we get him into some Arizona tournaments, you know, <laughs> he, he'll, he'll be all right. He'll be all right in the warm weather, longer, um, better anyway, better. <laughs> in, in, what'd you say? Longer, longer, longer. Call him a longer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's got two clubs, one for the each. Of <laughs> I think I'm at like a four and a half. I, I just don't think. He's physically capable of putting it together for a whole tournament anymore. Good weather, bad weather, whatever. You know, like the weather was pretty decent at the beginning of the week. He looks bad going around. And it's so funny that Fred Couples set a record this week for being the oldest guy ever to make the cut at the Masters. He's 63 years old. He moves so much better than 47 year old Tiger Woods. It's absurd. I keep hoping. I'm as big a Tiger Woods fan as you are ever going to find. I love watching him play, but I just think we've seen this so many times now where it's just his body won't hold up. He can still make shots in the first two rounds, but just don't see it anymore. It's sad, man. Like that guy was golf for 20 years. And I, and I think his run is done. And I don't know if we see him out on the senior tour. I, I don't know where we see, tiger anymore but um i don't really think 
he's going to be competing too much in these tournaments. I think my opinion was different six months ago, eight months ago. I think it would have been different, but watching this one just was ugly. Sad, man. Sad. That guy was um, and is one of the greatest of all time. But this was Brooks Kepka's tournament from day one until about the fourth hole of the final round today. He started a kind of a slow downhill slide from there, fought back a little bit, but never really got close. Uh, John Rahm survived the weather, played great today, and, and just kept everybody at bay, hitting shots. He wins a green jacket. He finishes 12 under. Right now, Rahm is the number one player in the world. Coming into this weekend, he had already had three wins on tour this year. This one's his fourth. So by all measures, this is already John Rahm's year on the PGA Tour. What do you think the rest of the season can be like for this guy? Man, I don't know. He's pretty young too, right? Like mid twenties. Like he's he's pretty young. Twenty six or something like that. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, the rest of this year, I, I think you might see this guy. I mean, we're not going to see anyone go on like a Tiger run or anything like that. But he he might be in the top, the top of the leaderboard and in, in in the rest of the majors and and you know the important tournaments. You like the route for the Spaniard, are you know? You're not entertained. I don't know. <laughs> got a nice so, tombstone yeah. reference and a glad yeah, yeah, i'm already. back pretty good <laughs> it's a flashback to 1995 <laughs> in the theater at uh you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> or 93 probably <laughs> but no i i think uh i mean he's he's really talented so i, I think you're gonna see him competing for for champ it's just golf man and like you're not gonna you're not winning all the majors it's just not gonna happen but you're gonna be there you're gonna be here on the, on the on the last day of these tournaments and be in contention uh he's a good young golfer for sure yeah a guy who starts out really hot you win this in somebody he's ranked number one world for a reason so you probably see him with a number of top 10 finishes and not I don't know about major majors are always different, man. Like they're, they're a different animal. But he handled it really well this week. So I don't know if he's a I don't know if there's a dominant golfer on this tour, but he played really well. So I would expect him if he's already he's already made his season uh, in April yeah. in like yeah. mid April. The guy's already had a great year. So if if he has some top ten finishes, maybe top fives, win wins another tournament or two. It's it, he's he's your golfer of the year, right? Do they give out a PGA golfer of the year? I assume. <laughs> I don't know. They have MVP. They have a PGP. Is that right? <laughs> Come up with something really quickly with three letters like we normally do. <laughs> I think they do have a player of the year and they have the FedEx Cup winner is like the best guy of the season. Right. So, I mean, that's your uh, I can't come up with it right now. I'll come up with something. Don't worry about it. <laughs> you know what you see sometimes in golf and, and what made Tiger so much different was how he could repeat it but you see guys get hot for like a year or like a year and a half period. That's what Kepka did. He won four majors in between 2018 and 2019 or something like that. So what Spieth did when he kind of got his career started fast, even Rory had a period like that. What separated Tiger was he did it for 10 fucking years in a row. Yeah. You know, that's what made him different, but this could be Rom's year. This could be Rom's multiple majors, multiple big tournaments, FedEx Cup win at the end of the season. That absolutely is in front of that guy right now. Man, he is putting together the kind of the basis he needs to get there for the rest of the season. So we'll see. It'll be fun to watch, man. I'm, I'm excited to see a, a lot of good players playing in these major tournaments uh, all summer long. It'll be a good time. But that is definitely enough golf. we got more basketball to talk about. 
The NBA regular season is closing out, but let's start an NBA conversation off the court. The NBA and the Players Association agreed to a new collective bargaining agreement that will take the league, the players, and us well into our 50s. The new deal creates a second luxury tax threshold, makes playing in at least 65 games mandatory to receive a postseason award. League licensing revenue will now be part of the shared pool between the owners and the players. I think is a huge deal. It's like another 150 million bucks that they're going to split. But setting aside all the financial stuff, really the biggest news is the start of an in-season tournament as soon as next year. They haven't announced a format yet, but what it sounds like is teams will play what they call cup games in November and elimination games in December. All of those would just be counted as regular season games and then only the final. So the final two teams in this tournament, I guess at the end of December, would play in an extra game and would end up playing 83 in the season rather than just 82. So in-season tournament in November and December. Thoughts? What are you getting for it? What You get one extra game or do, what, what do you, what's the I, I guess the the winners, like uh, the players get like an extra kick, like get like an extra 500 grand if they're on the winning team or something like that. So there's probably monetary things. I don't know if they've said anything about like, how it might impact the playoffs or right. seating or home field or I'm sorry, home court, whatever. They haven't, they haven't said any of that yet. What was like most other sports do is some kind of classic. You saw baseball do it, you know, like hockey does it as well. Like, I, I don't, I don't know, man. Like they have an issue obviously with load management. That's why they're saying you got to play 65 games to be an MVP or a defensive player of the year. Okay, cool. But uh, some sort of mid-season tournament with it's not going to make me watch any more games. I'm going to watch the Cavs anyway. So who cares if they're playing in some weird tournament? I I, I don't I didn't get that part. I, I tried to read. It was an exhaustive article about the collective bargaining agreement, and that was the one I just kind of skimmed around. Like playoffs, playoffs. Who gives a yeah. shit? Like who cares about some weird tournament in the middle of the season? Unless it means something, and and if it means something to the players who already make millions of dollars, what? How does that incentivize me as a viewer to watch it? I don't. I don't know. So, Chuck is out. Phil, what do you think? <laughs> I read this article too, and I read it several times, and it just—I don't get it, man. Like, I don't. It doesn't like. I, I feel like the NBA got a win with the play-in. Like everyone was kind of naysaying the play-in. Like, what the f are you doing? This is bullshit. This is bullshit. And then all of a sudden they realize, like, whoa, this is exciting basketball for a couple days right before the playoffs start. So you know what, man, take that win and just enjoy it. And they're trying to do the same thing in November and December. But the winner of this tournament, there's no. I, the way I understood it, everyone on the roster gets five hundred thousand dollars. Everyone for the winner, which that means nothing for your starting five, right. almost next to nothing for the next five, and the last couple guys that might mean something, right? So I was waiting to read that the winner of this tournament was like guaranteed a play, like you're you're part of the plan, even if you shit the bed the rest of the season, you get into the play-in tournament which I think would be hilarious because you would get like the Houston Rockets in the play-in potentially, you know, that's funny. And that, but it's not it at all. I don't understand this. I don't get it. Like there's no incentive as a fan to watch these games. I'm going to watch the games, the Cavs play in November, December with the same feeling, whether it's a mid season tournament or regular season anyway. Well, 
That did not go exactly how I expected. <laughs> Nobody, a fan of a mid-season tournament. I guess part of what you said, Phil, is why I guess I'm willing to give it a shot, is we shat all over the yeah. play-in. We could be wrong. Last year, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. Like the games were a lot of fun. Even the ones the Cavs weren't in last year were a lot of fun to watch. So, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to watching play-in games this year. Maybe I'll get into this. And I don't know if you have, like, is the final game of the mid-season tournament like Christmas night or something like that? You know, like, is that something that's going to get people watching and stuff? I don't know. The NBA is pretty good at making money. Something tells me they're going to find a way to make money on this. But I'm going to get out of here as fast as we can. Why don't we start talking about stuff that's happening on the court? The NBA was kind enough to wrap up its entire season early this afternoon. No drama in the East. The top six teams and the play-in teams were basically set heading into this weekend. So of the top six teams, other than the Cavs, so that's the Bucks, the Celtics, the 76ers, the Knicks, and the Nets, which team do you think had the most impressive season? Our Cleveland Cavaliers, man. They went out- other than the Cavs. <laughs> oh, other than the Cavs. I thought you said just the Cavs. <laughs> Boston had a great season, especially with the turmoil with their coach, and then you realize you can just – this roster is really great, and – we just bring another guy along, and they're yeah. still going to have Any a really great season. Yeah, great. Yeah. Uh, so, so maybe I'll go that way. Not to take anything away from the Bucks, who continue to be uh, secretly fucking great, not shitty. Yeah. But I'm going to go Celtics. Yeah, I, man, I, that's hard. Like I feel like everything was lining up for a very talented Celtics team to kind of have like a 500 season, like the way things started. You know, it was just nothing was going their way, and like, yeah, right, this is awful. But they're a really good team. Like they have really good talent up and down that lineup as do the Milwaukee Bucks the Bucks I expected to win the East the Celtics I thought might be competing with the Cavs for the four or five slot so I'm gonna agree with Chuck I'm gonna give it to the Celtics Boston (laughs) (laughs) I'm going with the Nets the Nets made the playoffs that's that's a good point at the beginning (laughs) of the year Kevin Durant Kyrie Irving were on that team Um, They thought Ben Simmons might be able to do something. And and they had a different coach. They changed their coach. They traded away their two best players. And Ben Simmons proved to be a disaster again. And they're in the playoffs. And I have a feeling they're not going to be in for very long. But the fact that they made it impresses the hell out of me. And I think that that Kyrie trade looks so damn good now. Because the Mavericks were a disaster, didn't even make the play-in. Uh, Kyrie probably not going to be there next year. I, I can't imagine they want him. That Luca might not be there next year either. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I was impressed with with the Nets and the ability to get into the playoffs when that was your world for the season. That's rough. Out west, things were a lot more fun going into today. Clippers, Warriors, and Lakers were all in the mix for the five, six, and seven seeds in the West going into this afternoon. But then all three of them won, so nothing changed. Clippers are the five seed. Warriors are the six. Lakers are the scariest ever play-in team at seven. Same question. West Coast playoff teams. Who had the most impressive season? I'm going to say that secretly the number one seed in the West had the most impressive season. This is the Denver Nuggets team that other than the Joker, I mean, I don't unfair to them because I don't watch any of their games unless the Cavs are playing them. I don't have much respect. I don't know anything about this team and they're 
They have the reigning MVP on it, right? And they're a good team top to bottom. And they went out there and they won the West. I mean, the West was bunched up. It's been a weird year, but they won the West. And I say that. And at the same time, I don't think they're coming out of the West. It's a weird playoff list, right? Yeah. Like what you just listed there. I feel better taking the bottom three of the top six of the West against the top three in the West, because you got Durant on the Suns and you've got Golden State. You know, it's like, all right. So it's a weird conference, but I'll give kudos right now to Denver because they, they locked up that one seed. They're a talented basketball team that I know nothing about. <laughs> well, I mentioned it last week. I'm going to say the Kings. Nobody yeah. ever yeah. expects the Kings to be really good at basketball, but they made a good trade for a big man and they have guards who can shoot the lights out. I always feel good when a team has been shitty for like 20 some years is playing pretty well. So they came out for me, kind of came out of nowhere because we, we talked about this last week. The last time they were good, Chris Weber and Jason Williams were on that team. And we were much younger men with much darker hair and beard. So I'm going to go with them. We were so they couldn't Phil. grow or a beard. <laughs> Jason Williams and I had the same hairdo even back then. <laughs> I think I'm going to give it to the Grizz. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies finished second for a while. They looked like they were the best team. And then they had a bunch of shit happen that made it look like they were about to implode. And you thought like, man, these guys are about to slide. And they didn't. They they managed to keep winning games down the stretch, even while Ja had to take a leave of absence there for like two weeks. They won enough games to hold on to that two seed. I think they're a really good team at home. And so that's a that's big for them to be able to say that they're going to have two straight playoff series at home. So although I agree with you guys 100%, like the West was so strange this year and continues to be because I don't think anybody can predict what the Lakers are going to be at this point. They might be outstanding uh, and they might be awful. And there's just no way to know. We'll see, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the most impressive team in the playoffs out of the West was the Grizz. But let's move on, talk about the play-in tournament with our bet stamp, bet of the week, betting on the NBA play-in. So we're going to do money line bets for all four of the play-in games starting on Tuesday night in the East, Atlanta Hawks versus Miami Heat. Who are you taking, Chuck? Give me the Heat. Hop on bet stamp, put your money on the Heat, your low odds. Minus 225, your best odds at BetMGM, minus 210. Not too shabby. Let's find out about Atlanta. Okay, so Phil wants to take the Hawks because he <laughs> loves Trey Young. And if he goes on to bet stamp. Trey and I should have the same hairdo now. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. You would look awesome. No, no, no. He should have my hairdo. <laughs> you just hold on, man. Just keep holding on. <laughs> so the low odds. On bet stand for the Hawks, plus 170. Your best odds at points bet, plus 185. Heading out west on Tuesday night, Minnesota Timberwolves had a fight during a timeout in the huddle today <laughs> versus the Los Angeles Lakers with LeBron James. Phil, who you got? Yeah. Give me LeBron's Lakers. Check it out on Betstamp. I think this is going to get even better for the Lakers. It will get closer to Tuesday and more news comes out about this. But <laughs> your low odds for the Lakers are minus 295. Your yeah. best odds for the Lakers, minus 255 on DraftKings. Chuck, how much you love the Minnesota Timberwolves? I love the passion of infighting right before a play-in <laughs> playoff run. I think guys still really care. 
when you say guys are throwing punches who are in the trenches every day, it means like they're they're not done yet. They're just scratching the level of competitiveness and passion for playoffs. So what are their odds, man? Your low odds on your second favorite basketball team, the Minnesota Timberwolves, <laughs> uh, plus 210. But if you hop on BetStamp, the best odds you'll get are plus 240 on FanDuel. So you can make yeah. some money on the Wolves. So Wednesday night, we move first to the East, Chicago playing Toronto. Chucky, who you got? I mean, you got to be a real degenerate gambler to care about this game because Jordan ain't playing and Vince Carter's not on the Raptors anymore. I have no idea how good either of these teams are, but recency says that the Raptors were a much better team. So I will say, let me let me get those odds on the Raptors. Hop on Betstamp, your low end, minus 213. Your best odds, minus 195 at Caesars. I can't name a single player on the Bulls, but I really want to put a lot of money on them. So let's hear about Chicago. Orlando <laughs> Woolrich. Okay. <laughs> your low end is plus 162, but your best odds are on FanDuel plus 176. Last one, late Wednesday night, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the yes. only loser side piece <laughs> from our side piece challenge to make the postseason versus the Pelicans. Phil, who you got? I got my losing side piece because they just keep winning. Let's hear about OKC. All right. So the Thunder. On bet stamp, your low odds are plus 170, but the best odds you can get are at Caesars plus 185. Chuck, what's your favorite bird? <laughs> fly, pelican fly. Wow. Going bald eagle, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but pelicans are a close second. <laughs> right. So on bet stamp, your low odds would be minus 225. Your best odds would be minus 195 for the pelicans in that play-in game. Don't bet like a chucker, bet like a pro with BetStamp, the premier spot to shop all the lines and odds to make sure you get an edge. Get the best numbers, get the best odds, get the best with BetStamp. Fellas, that's going to do it for our second segment. Why don't we take our final break? We're going to come back off the field and solve a giant legal problem. Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment. We'll head off the field, and let's talk a little Motley Crew, because the crew is back in the news this week. Guitarist Mick Mars is suing the band. He resigned from touring with the band last fall. Then the band said that meant he resigned from the entire thing. He was no longer in the band. He still says he gets to be part of the band. He just doesn't want to tour. So now they're in a lawsuit. And a lot of nasty shit is flying around. But Motley Crue stat line. The crew has sold more than 100 million records. It has nine albums in the top 10 of the Billboard Top 100. Dr. Feelgood reached number one. In 2021, BMG purchased the crew's catalog for $150 million, which is just shy of $400 million less than Bruce's catalog went for. Now, oh, I could not find any stats on this. Logic dictates that the band members have all had hep C on and off since 1983. <laughs> Most importantly, Motley Crue was one of the bands my big brother convinced me was awesome when I was a kid, along with Cinderella and Kiss Without the Makeup. It took me decades to recover from what he taught me about music, <laughs> but Motley Crue was one of his favorites. So let's start here. Is Motley Crue an 80s or a 90s band? They're an 80s band. I agree. 80s all the way. 
Now, you guys are right, but that, it actually kind of surprised me. So they're definitely an 80s band. All their big albums came out in the 80s, although Dr. Feelgood came out in 89. And I definitely think that has like an early 90s hairband feel to it. But most of their success was in the 80s. Was there ever a time in your life when Motley Crue was a top five band for you? Top five? No. Um, I did, however, top purchase. 20. Top yes. 50? <laughs> yeah, I'll, give you, I'll 50. give you top 20. I'll give you a top 20. There was a time, probably the late 80s, I had a paper route and I did purchase Dr. Feelgood on cassette. And I would, I, I did a paper out every day after school and I would toggle between the Beastie Boys album and Dr. Feelgood and these kind of things. So I did listen to Dr. Feelgood in the late eighties, like 89. I think I had that. I think that was the only cassette I had of theirs was, I think everybody had Dr. Feelgood. Yeah. I don't know if they were ever their music. You always knew it, but I, I don't, I don't think they were, I would ever put them in my top 10 at any point in my life. They were probably a top five group for me from like 86 to like 91 uh, because I probably only knew about like seven bands at the time uh, and they were better than wham, I suppose. <laughs> uh, so I, don't know. <laughs> I guess they made it into my top. We listened to them a lot at my house. I, I remember when again, WMMS played Dr. Feelgood for the first time at like nine o'clock on a Friday night. That was like the release of it on the radio and I remember my brother being like, this is awesome. I'm like, all right, man. I'm like, sure. Dr. Feelgood sounds great. What is he talking about? Like 1989, <laughs> 12. <laughs> now what now? It was a short period of time, but I have a feeling if I'm being honest, Motley Crue used to be one of my favorite bands. What's the best Motley Crue song? Shout at the Devil, Girls, 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 Dr. Feelgood, or Home Sweet Home? For me, it's Shout at the Devil. I never, I actually, I never On get sick Easter, of that song. What kind of a yeah, I know, you? right? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I never get sick of that song. I, I would change probably Girls, Girls, Girls or Kickstart My Heart, any of that stuff. But Shout at the Devil always has kind of stood out to me. I'm going to, I'm going to fill Danko this, this question and say they're all good. They're all good choices. I, I think those <laughs> yeah. are all great. Uh, but for me, of those options, I, and it's probably because of the hot tub time machine, like home sweet home because oh of gosh. the way they play it in movies. Just it, like, all right, like this, when that song comes on, I listen to it in its entirety and I don't know why. So I'll go with home sweet home. I'm going with Dr. Feel good. Uh, that was their biggest album. That's the biggest song on the album. And uh, I'm not going with a ballad for one of the greatest glam hair bands of all time. <laughs> so Motley Crue, lyrical universal truth about tito francona oh, we'll start man. with without you dr feelgood without you in my life i'd slowly wilt and die but with you by my side you're the reason i'm alive <laughs> or also from dr feelgood dr feelgood let him soothe your soul just take his hand some people call him an evil man let him introduce himself real good he's the only one they call feel good <laughs> lyrical universal truth by motley crew about our favorite baseball manager tito francona i'll go with the dr feelgood lyric dr feelgood lyric because uh he was the red sox manager for a while so we kind of had to hate him right oh so all right there yeah that makes sense that makes sense but he is the man who makes us feel good now i'm just, I'm just going with the first one i'm impressed that you try to tie motley crew lyrics into our manager but still I'll, I'll just sit on the first one with no explanation 
I appreciate it when you guys make an effort to answer the stupidest <laughs> things I can come up with to talk about. I'm going with the without you lyrics too, because that's just how I feel about it, man. Like when he's by our side, oh, we can't go wrong. It's the reason we're alive. Uh, it's the reason why the Guardians are alive. Every year he's been the manager. Without you, Terry Francona. Let's play a little Gerber be the judge. Mick Mars, guitarist for Motley Crue, suffers from a debilitating, severe arthritic condition. And that's why he's retiring from touring. The crew has responded to that, saying that he was always on his way out of the band and that he was starting to forget songs on stage. Mars shot back, challenged them all to meet up and see who could remember the songs better. Which sounds like the worst possible version of American Idol. But with that information, Chuck, you represent Mick Mars. What's your best argument for him winning this lawsuit oh, and man. staying in the band? It's going to be tough for me. I saw them, gosh, it's got to be over 10 years ago, and he was struggling then. Uh, I can remember like he didn't move much on stage. He kind of just stood there uh, where everybody else well. I mean, Vince Neil could probably use oxygen and a diet, but still, the, the point is, this guy's been there since the beginning, right? Uh, I don't know if he he didn't write any lyrics. That was mostly the bass player, Nikki Six and Nikki Six, yeah, Nikki Six, Six and wrote, Vince Neil, yeah, wrote most of the lyrics. But when you have a guy who's in like an, an original, and if he's just saying "I'm out," you kind of just just plug somebody else in there. Nobody's going to see. Nobody's here to see you, Otis. Like, nobody's going to see Mick Mars. So, like, just cut him his check, get him his royalty stuff. But when you're a founding member of something. Uh, and it's not like these guys are, are really, I don't know how much they're touring anymore. Like I, I, I'm going to lose him this case judge. I'm sorry. Uh, mostly. <laughs> oh, because, man. Yeah, I know. Terrible I'm just going like, just just to stipulate. I don't have to like, say anything <laughs> when you're there. I don't know what their contract status is or what, but when you, when you're an original member, uh, and you've been doing it for 40 plus years with them and, and your body just kind of breaks down and you have a debilitating disease, you would think these guys that you came up with, whether you still like them or you hate each other. I want to go, hey man, like we should take care of him on the way out and still get him his his cut for anything that that's deserved. So not like, oh, let's let's have a meetup where who remembers the songs, <laughs> yeah. which is funny because if you actually Google someone like Vince Neil on stage, like he has no clue what he's singing anymore. None of the words make sense. So he might win that, but I doubt he wins this court case. All right, Phil, you're up. Rep the band. Why is All it right. okay to throw McMars out? First of all, I think we probably remember more lyrics from Motley Crue songs than Motley Crue remembers at this point. So that, you know, whatever. But I'm going to rep the band and I'm going to say this. We, the Motley Crue, are an at-will employee. Um, we get to fire you whenever we want. Uh, that's it. Like, this is not, there's not, there's no union here. You can't do the job that we're paying you to do. So we're going to give you a severance package and we're going to get someone else to play guitar, especially on tour. My ruling I'm going to rule in favor of Mick Mars hey, because oh, I think he is one. far more than just an employee. He's a founding member of the band. He's got to have some equity in the band and ownership interest that you can't just toss him out. Uh, I also think you've got a discrimination issue. The guy's got a debilitating illness. <laughs> yes, We're going to throw yeah. him out. Damn it. I probably should have. I probably should have <laughs> saw yeah. that cool. early on. An ankylosing spondylitis <laughs> is not cool. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I'm going to rule in favor of Mick Mars. It sounds to me like the rest of the band are just being a bunch of jerks. And in the law, that doesn't fly with Jason Gerber. That is going to do it for our talk about Motley Crue <laughs> probably forever. We are going to move on because we've got always a lot of TV to talk about. 
Let's talk first about Succession. Episode three comes out tonight, but I really want to look back at what I think was one of the best ever episodes of this show, which was episode two last week. Which one of these is the best headline coming out of episode two? Logan is back. His speech at ATN shows why he is different from all the rest of these characters. Next one, a good parent doesn't withhold the helicopter. Next one, a, a shiv scorned can fuck a billion dollar deal. Last one, Connor is somehow the most self-aware Roy. Which of those best headline coming out of episode two? I don't know what the odds are from bet stamp, but I'm going with the last one that that Connor finally gets his moment to explain how he's just so different from every one of those children. I'm with you, Gerb, that this is one of the best episodes in the series and the writing is just so great. And, and maybe we get in that in a little bit, but like we are stop talking about it. I'm, just okay. go with the headlines. I'm, I'm going to, the best headline is, is Connor is the most self-aware of the children. I like that, but I'll go with Logan's back, man. Like I, the way this episode went, it, it, you saw his, his moment on the floor at ATN and his, and his speech on the, on the copy paper boxes, which is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. And then again, a bit of a spoiler alert, but as the episode went on, the way it ends and they're in his office at home and Roman's there and what that means going forward is huge because it completely undermines the rebels, right? The kids, they're done. They're done now. Uh, it's Logan is back for me. I think that we've seen so many different times in this show where he looked like weak and old and sick. You get him up onto those boxes and you get him firing up that staff and you realize like, oh shit, this is how the guy did it. This is how he built all this, man. He's an ass kicker and he's got like endless charisma uh, and these people are going to follow him anywhere uh, and compare that to Tom doing like the intro speech when he gets up there. <laughs> <It's> terrible. <laughs> uh, Tom's the best. <laughs> it's Logan is back for me. So I, I, I think we already kind of know where Chucky's at. Am I exaggerating how good episode two was? Not at all. It was a, and I, I hate to say that I only got to watch it once this week because I typically watch success in twice before we, we talk about it. And I can't, I'm going to watch it again before I watch tonight's episode, I think, because it was that good. It was beginning to end in the middle. There was a lot going on, a lot that just kind of peeled back really what, what is happening here. And it was so well-written, so well-written the way the the speeches, even even cousin Greg standing up there and describing Logan on the floor oh, of yeah. ATN yeah. was such a well written piece of that show. You, you know, Jaws as if everyone worked for Jaws kind of thing, right? Like, all right, yeah. like that's nuts. Uh, it was a great episode, one of my favorites in in a while, and they're all good, but this was a great one. This stood out, and most episodes are are excellent, but this one where you take a character who typically is comedic fodder, uh, is a brother who is oblivious and, and shouldn't be in any room, but then he has that moment of clarity where it puts him square in the middle of it and proves to you just how stupid maybe the other the other kids, the offspring are acting, and you see a reinvigorated Logan. It was just so well done. Um, the, the writing on this episode might be some of the best dialogue in a long time, and it's always good, but 
uh, I'm trying to think of one in recent memory that that tops this as as an episode where it not only sets up where you're going, you have a betrayal. You you have everything you need yeah. inside of an hour. Yeah. Yep. I just think it it runs from Shiv realizing that like Tom has gone this nasty route of like conflicting out every good attorney in Manhattan and how pissed off she is about that. And that leads to her wanting to undermine the deal that leads to their confrontation in the karaoke room where it's just so perfect. Like you can see Logan is playing his game and like Roman's buying it. Right. But, yeah. but Shiv and Kendall aren't, you know, and you, you go from that con confrontation to Connor, just absolutely gutting himself in front of everybody, man, like just heartbreaking shit from that guy. And then, and then the episode closes with, with Roman showing up at the house. And you're just like, Oh man, you even have the little thing where like uh, Madsen is, is yeah. telling Kendall like, Hey, don't, don't me. Don't try to get more money. And all of a sudden Kendall flips and is like, Nope, now we're going to do it. Now we're going to go after this guy for more money. And so like, ah, oh, it's just everything about it was great, man. I watched it again tonight. I usually don't watch it twice in a week, but I really wanted to see it again. tonight. It was fantastic. I can't wait uh, for episode three, although I can, because I'm definitely not staying up. <laughs> after this to watch it i can definitely wait until tomorrow to see that one but i'm gonna look forward to it all right let's end this on a high note let's talk a little ted lasso we are four episodes in now in a sports movie or television show which one had the more unbelievable on-field fight scene the one we saw in ted lasso in episode four or the one from the keanu movie the replacements <laughs> I love the replacements. One yeah. of my favorite movies of all time. Man, uh that that's but but unbelievable fight scene. Uh, I'm going to lean towards Ted Lasso because soccer fights are the worst no matter what, even in real life. <laughs> How dare you try to downplay Gene Hackman as a coach oh, and Keanu Reeves as a former stud quarterback. I, I yeah, like Every time that movie's on, I'll watch pieces of it. I don't know if I'll ever watch that episode of Ted Lasso again. So a little more unbelievable on, on the wait a minute. Episode. How about the hand of the king as the kicker, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The hand of the yeah. king as or the, the line dancing after there a you go, fight. Like it all makes we sense. did it again, Shantz. We did it again. <laughs> I love Ted Lasso. That that fighting on the soccer field scene was terrible. Yeah. That was stupid. It could have been, could have made the point they were trying to make without having to yeah. be so terrible. So episode four was definitely about dealing with anger. Ted seems to kind of let it all slide and let it roll off. The team acted out. So who's right? I think you saw a little bit with Ted at the end of the episode when he's, when he's talking to his wife in, in dealing with what makes him upset in a, in a much more positive way that like, he's not going to let it eat at him anymore. And he's, he, if he's going to act out, he's going to do it in a much calm, cool and collected way than, than his team did. Whatever the, the, the question was, the better way to deal with it is the way he did. It, the stakes are much higher for him in his personal life than, than, than it was for one game. So I, I think he handled it much better than, than his team. Yeah. I think dealing with anger is about um, processing thinking and, and conversation as opposed to we've all played sports, multiple sports, anger in the field of play typically does not end well, you know, and unless it's a, some sort of fight, <laughs> you know, uh, you can't play sports angry all the time and do well it, because it, there's too much discipline involved. Like you can't, 
play soccer. You certainly can't play baseball angry. You, you know, these kind of things. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with Ted Lasso. He did it the right way. I don't know that we all have that awareness to do it Ted's way though. I think maybe we lean the Roy Kent way in life all too often. I think they're both wrong. I mean, obviously the way <laughs> the team did it was wrong. That was stupid. It was just out of control. Cost him the game. It might cost him Zava. I don't think he was down for any of that. He's kind of a peace, love soccer guy or football. I don't like Ted's way either though. Entirely, man. I think that um, you can't just always not act on your anger and just wait till the point where you're able to talk about it and deal with it positively. Sometimes you just got to be mad. Uh, and yeah. sometimes you need to release that anger, you know, not in a way that's going to hurt anybody, but in a, in a way that gets it off of your chest somehow uh, that isn't as kind and gentle as the way Ted did it. So I'm not a huge fan of episode four. Wasn't my favorite one of the season for sure, but um, I'm sure there's plenty more good stuff to come, but fellas, we are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And, we just did the whole show without mentioning Taylor Swift is single again after oh, a yeah. breakup with some jabroni. <laughs> with that news, <laughs> that a new album is probably coming out soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Denko just purchased a floor seat for her June 10th show in Detroit. <laughs> I hope you guys have a great week, and let's get together and do this again real soon. Absolutely. <laughs> Hey, who's this guy? <laughs> who's this guy? Your skin doesn't look any more olive. I don't think you went to say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Spend the whole time indoors. <laughs> your microphone's not on, so you yeah. just, your Gosh, mouth. There you go. How about that? Out of not better? Talk yeah. About yeah. Out of practice. God, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you've I'm completely doing, forgotten how to I podcast. Told, <laughs> I just told you guys like the deepest, darkest secret about my trip, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hey, how did you feel about how Chuck and I handled the Terrace major strain conversation mm. in last week's show? I, uh, how, did we, how did we do? You did so, so well. That's what I thought. Yeah. I, uh, I laughed a lot. Um, I thought you guys, you, you did, you did really well. You got, you got the gist of it. It is in fact a muscle. <laughs> I didn't get that part. Got that part. Yeah, so, you know, and, uh, and Tristan strained that muscle. And because of the nature of that muscle, it is closely re uh, related to the rotator cuff as a pitcher. It's a problem. So the reason it takes so long to come back from is he's not allowed to throw for a few weeks. And then when you start throwing again, it's a four week process to get him back, back up to, to throwing, to pitching. So it's not like he's doing like, he's just out, you know, he it's the, it's the whole return to throwing. That's the problem. Um, but yeah, you guys did a great job. You you did as well a job as I would on a question about something legal or radio <laughs> marketing related. How about that? <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. The Timberwolves made the Western Conference play-in, right? Yeah. Yeah. Their players are we're, fighting each other. We're going to get to it. Yes. <laughs> Holy shit. I just saw that. Like, wait a minute. What is I didn't see that. Like, did they great. not make the playoffs? They made the playoffs. They made they're it. They're fighting each other on the bench. Uh, awesome. But during a timeout, uh, Rudy Gobert uh, took a yeah. swing at like another guy on the team. Beautiful.
just what you're looking for when you've got to go travel to LA to play against yep. the fucking Lakers yeah. on Tuesday yeah. night. Sounds like Rudy Gobert should play for the Browns. <laughs> it's like, what the hell is he doing? He'd be a good tight end. Like seven two. Yeah, yeah. Sign him now. <laughs> God. Call him call him the French connection. I like it. I like it. <laughs> we got a nickname. We got a position. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> I don't think I don't think we want him. He's pretty skinny. I'm not sure what kind of a blocker he would be as a tight end. He's pretty. He's pretty he's God, lanky. Showing it again. He's seven Holy foot shit. tall. Yeah. <laughs> his his arms. All you gotta do is like extend your arms. It'd be all right. <clears throat> That's true. You're right, though, Gers. There's never been a seven foot tall NFL player who was worth a shit. So you're, you're probably right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. Gerbs, when you're talking about Miles Straw, you see he stole four bases this week in one week. Yeah, I mean, that's ridiculous. It's right? really well, man. <laughs> yeah. The best surprise yeah. of the, this early season is him. Yeah, it's great. I mean, that, oh man, it, it if he can just round into what he was two seasons ago, right? You've got this between him and Quan, like you've got this amazing. Oh yeah, duo of basically two center fielders playing two of your outfield positions defensively and two guys offensively that can do anything with the baseball. And once you're on base, how much you brought this up last week, Chuck, how much easier does it become for the guys in the middle lineup when Quan and straw are on base? Because pitchers can't fuck around, (laughs) you know I mean? Right. Oh man. Every highlight I see of Quan through this week, he's going the other way. Like it's yeah. His swing is so great. His glove is still way too big. Well, <laughs> well, What's I that? think he's just a little guy. I think it's, it's a normal size glove. <laughs> the biggest glove I've ever seen. <laughs> That's hilarious. His glove is too big. It's so big. It's like uh, I what was that the, the the baseball game I had for like PlayStation One where you had like the guy with the huge glove. You had a guy that was super tall. You you could like yeah, all these cheat codes. Exactly. Yeah. It's like it's huge. It's hilarious. <clears throat> Get a real shot here, boys. I don't want to bring attention to the time, but we got a real shot yeah. of a three-man crew getting out of here. Let's do it. Midnight. Let's, Let's do it. I, I will sign off on this. I won't <laughs> yes. keep you here any All longer. right. Now we got Denko I agreeing. I yeah. love it. Well, because in my, my in, in my brain right now, it's six in the morning, almost seven. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Time for break. Hey. Oh, Charlie, what's wrong Oh, no. Boys. Wow. Well, we Look got our that. picture oh, yeah. <laughs> for this week. Oh, baby. <laughs> oh no. Oh, no. It's right there. That's like, oh, that's is like she cool. missing mom? Is that the issue? Oh, she's she's hungry and she sees a bottle. Oh, okay. Full silent cry. Full silent cool. cry. Like they've gone past. It's just like yeah, the silent yeah, cry. That's the it's worst. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh. And Whitney oh. makes an appearance hey, with Whit- her left arm. Yeah. You see Whitney's arm? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's great uh, arm. All the way up to the elbow. That's <laughs> <laughs> your favorite one. <laughs> <laughs> if I had to rank your arms, maybe. Yeah. So your yeah, left would definitely be my favorite. Yeah. If you had to cut off a body part, it will not be your left arm. <laughs> no, take the right. Take right. the right. <laughs> it's like the brother in uh, Tombstone. 
Oh. I still got one good arm to hold you with. <laughs> yeah. When when you guys when you guys asked that question, like what body part will you cut off? I really was hoping for a complete callback to the Terry's major. I'm like, come on, someone say Terry's major. Oh, yeah, we <laughs> like, never even thought of that. Someone said it. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, it was I don't want to be out for eight weeks. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I could do this show without my thumb. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, guys. Enough fun hey, and games. Gervs, yeah. we'll see you uh, Wednesday or Thursday. Just let us know. Yeah. 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 I'm definitely yeah, going to get a 40 for it, too. Yeah. I, that, right. Yeah. You yeah, want to do, do that? 40. Let's do it. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Let's right. do 40. Yes. That'll Sounds be good. good. Yeah. Good deal. Cool. All right, fellas. All right, All right boys. Have a great night. Right. Good to see you again, Phil. Yeah. Absolutely. Love you guys. See you. What do you mean I'm funny? Funny like a clown? Here to amuse you?